throw. It would be nice to have a bug throw. It would be nice to have a bug throw. It would be nice to have a bug throw. It would be nice to have a bug throw. It would be nice to have a bug throw. It would be nice to have a bug throw. It would be nice to have a bug throw from your I drank beer with my friends. Sometimes I had too many beers. I liked beer. I still like beer. Had beers, have some beers. One beer, a drink beer, drinks beer, drank beer, and drinking beer. Upstairs, downstairs, where was it? I don't know, but I had one beer. Friday! We have here Center Beach Week Ralph Club Biggest Contributor. That. I like beer. I don't know if you, okay. you like beer, Senator, or not. Um, what do you like to drink? Next I had one beer. Friday. Yeehaw! Hanging out and having some beers with friends, which I gladly do and which I fully embrace. Well, you think it was your... Nope, there was one beer. Friday. <laughs> Brought to you by the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. And today, Pint Nine Brewing. Thank you, Pint Nine. Mm. I have um, their Farmer Tan Pilsner. Let's go. Uh, which one do you have? I have the Neon Nines, number nine. It is citrusy stone fruit Beatles. notes over a bready English base malt. Bready, number nine. This thing rocks. Yeah? And yeah. Nick has... Oso Cafe. The coffee brown, hazelnut, roasty rich, and slightly sweet. Mm, it tastes like spiked coffee. Nice. And uh, March 2nd, they're going to have their third annual Bach Fest from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. with three of their own Bachs on tap uh, and delicious food, and it's free to get in there at Pint 9. Thank you to the folks at Pint 9, pint9brewing.com. For more information, of course, all of this brought to you by the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. Drink local, drink Nebraska. Very good. Thank you, boys. Thank you, Pint 9. Thank you, Pint 9. Thank you, Nebraska Crepper's Guild. Neil writes, you know, if Josh loses predictions, I think a better punishment would be to make him drink something other than IPA. That actually is not a bad idea. During One Beer Friday. It's not a bad idea. It was nice this week as there were two of them to choose from. And I have not had this one. I've had Cloud Jumper. I'm a fan. I wanted to try this. I am a fan of this as well. Thank you, Pint 9. Plus, this can rules. I judge books by their covers, and I judge cans by their art. Well, that's okay. rude. No, it's not. It's very kind. It says, make a cool can. No, this is a cool can. It's a cool can, but also, you're missing out. I'm reading a great book right now, Nick. I guess, you know what? The cover for this book kind of stinks. And the author, the is book, this the pretentious author? Oh, yeah. I'm about 50% of the way through now, Nick. Oh, my gosh. You should see what's happening to some of these characters. Uh, did you see this? Did you hear about this? Tell me more. Parts of downtown Toronto were blacked out. Canada? Blacked out as in like the lights? As in the lights went out. Like the New York City back in the 70s? Yes. Because a raccoon caused a large power outage. This is worse than the time the raccoon got in the copier. Exactly. This is what? a cartoon. What? 
We just had that reference on the show this mm-hmm. week. And now a raccoon did it in Toronto? Yeah. The raccoon's gotten the copier. Wow, look at this mean graphic John made. Thousands of people in the dark. No, that was an actual breaking news graphic That's from a mean. breaking news Twitter account. That's mean. What is br- what is mean? I'm just making a joke. It's fine. Thousands yeah, of people in the apparently dark. Apparently a raccoon made contact with their equipment at a downtown power station. Wow. <laughs> wow. 7,000 Toronto Hydro customers in the downtown core lost their power because a raccoon got in the copier. Wow. That would suck. I mean, it's one thing. It sucks to lose your power anyway, but if it's just a raccoon, Mm -hmm. it's not that far away. You can see, if you're watching it on the stream, the Sky Dome, or whatever they call it now. Is it Rogers Center? I call it Sky Dome. Yeah, whatever it is. Is down at the bottom left of the screen. It's not that far away. Mm. Imagine if a raccoon got in a copier during a... Blue Jays game. That'd be bad because then they couldn't play the baseball. And John, it is famously baseball month here on the Grum. It is. Baseball topics every day here on 1620 The Zone and on Sportsmanlike Conduct. Today's topic, the stick. How do we feel about baseball bats, John, in Major League Baseball? Should they move to BB Corps bats in the Major Leagues? 402-951-1620. This sounds a lot like baseball just joshing. Mm. What do you think about that, John? I would think that'd be the dumbest thing they ever did. Dumbest thing? Why? Because people would get murdered by the ball? No. My dad always said that when I was a kid. I'm like, Dad, why don't they play with the same bats like they do in college? He said, because they'd kill people. I said, they'd kill people? Well, the he old said, yeah, they're so bats. strong. Yeah, the old aluminum would, bats. They'd be out there murdering folks? Well, I don't know. Not murdering, but the would ball, would, like the hill the ball just... would come off the bat at a go very alarming rate. and you think so? Probably, oh, yes. I want to see this. I want to see this. And, and hear about and this. And hear this. Ping! I don't want to hear the ping. Ping! I don't want to hear the ping. Mm. The, the, the one good thing about the BB core bats is there's less ping. I miss the ping. No, now it's just like... I don't miss the ping. It's like a little poot. <laughs> like a little poot? <laughs> a little poot. Well, uh, today the big Great story segment, around boys. college athletics, the heads of the two families are getting together. So all this week, it's been about Tennessee, NIL violations, NCAA swooping in and saying, you guys are naughty, we're going to come at you oh, with naughty. both guns. Both barrels. Here are the fuzzy handcuffs. Loaded. <laughs> well, Thank you, NCAA daddy. Today, the Big Ten and the SEC announced that they are uniting to tackle pervasive issues in college athletics. According to SEC Commish Greg Sankey, pressures are mounting. We are not going to be status quo. This is a joint advisory group of university presidents, chancellors, and ADs from the Big Ten and the SEC who will address significant challenges facing college athletics. The challenges including, but not limited to, recent court decisions, pending litigation, patchwork of state laws, complex governance proposals, compel the two conferences to take a leadership role in developing solutions for a sustainable future of college sports. Tony Petiti quote from the press release, the Big Ten and the SEC have substantial investment in the NCAA, and there is no question that the voices of our two conferences are integral to governance and other reform efforts. Greg Sankey, quote, there are similar cultural and societal impacts on our student-athletes, our institutions, and our communities because of the new college athletics environment. 
We do not have predetermined answers to the myriad questions facing us. We do not expect to agree on everything, but enhancing interaction between our conferences will help focus efforts on common sense solutions. This seems kind of Game of Thrones to me. You oh, so? it seems very, uh, yeah. The, you knew at some point that uh, that uh, Don Corleone and Don Barzini were going to have to sit down. So those are the two. Those are the two families. So who are the five? Well, that's coming up in a minute. Okay. Um, my first reaction But this is this... the bigger story because a lot of people have surmised that this is among many of the next steps hmm. towards creation of a Super League of which these two conferences will be the Super League. Certainly, John, two people in this very room who are sitting next to each other and drinking beer together mm-hmm. have thought for a long, long time that this was the future. Mm-hmm. And some were like, you guys are overreacting. I do not think that we are overreacting. And when I saw this news today, the first thing that I thought was, oh, I know what this is going to lead to. Somebody asked me earlier. Let me see if I can find it real quick. It was Kyle. And he said, Kyle? he said, is this where they decide they just don't have to listen to anything the NCAA says? It is certainly going to lead to a place where, yes, they don't listen to the NCAA because they create whatever iteration of the sport is to come. It's got they that either create whatever iteration is going to come or they, they reform the NCAA in such a way where yeah. basically those two leagues run the show. Uh, I know you were asked earlier by somebody, what does this mean? It was for March Madness, right? What would this mean or could mm-hmm. this be a concern for March Madness? And you told this person... Yeah, hold on to to what you have right now and enjoy it while it lasts because things are about to change. I know I've talked to somebody who is very plugged in with a lot of the ins and outs of, dare I say, the future of things because of who this person knows. This person's been telling me for years now that this is the end game, that things they're wanting things to change, that they don't want it to be like it is right now. And I will always, I will engage this person and say, okay, I think it's stupid, and I will tell that person why I think it's stupid, but the thing I never understand is why do they think that that's what fans want? Why do they think fans, like I guess in football I can I can see it a little bit. I don't understand why they think this will be good for like college basketball, college baseball, for basically every other sport that's not college football. And yet I would say that this, is, this well, isn't the first step because there have been many steps to lead to this direction, but we will look back at this moment and say, oh man, that was a pretty big deal. And it it took us three hours into the show to talk about. We shouldn't we be like screaming from the mountaintops like this is gonna be bad for the sport. Oh, I, I, absolutely. But I almost feel like I'm shouting into the void now because it almost feels like an inevitability. Sure, that this is where it's going and this is what it's going to lead to. And this is just another step. But now they're actually coming together and bringing their presidents and right chancellors, now. the people that actually have the power. It's not the commissioners that have the power. They're the face, but it's their bosses, the presidents and the chancellors, that have the power. Yeah. And if these two sides get together on enough issues and realize we don't need any of the other riffraff, so be it. Now, you might think, well, wouldn't the Big Ten be interested in preserving the tournament, the NCAA basketball tournament, and wouldn't a conference like the SEC be wanting to preserve baseball because those are the other sports that those leagues tend to do best at or tend to prioritize over others. And I would say this, just like with every other issue when it comes to college sports, everyone else is along for the ride. 
This is all being driven by the football bus. Because that's where the lion's share of the money comes from. The lion's share. All of it is being driven by, by the football bus. And the other stuff, ah, eh, we'll work that out. It we'll really work isn't. that stuff out. We'll figure it out. Yeah. I mean, when these conferences get, are getting realigned, the first thing that they do is figure out how's this going to work for football. First thing. Oh, and then, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we got to figure out the rest of the stuff. Okay, well, here's what we'll do. And it's not always that simple. I'm not saying the Big Ten doesn't didn't put a little bit of thought into how they were going to handle the 18-team league with basketball and the same with the SEC when they expand. But trust me, most of the conversation is driven around football because football is what brings in the money. I would like to hope, I would like to hope that There might be some logic to this. I know Chip Kelly talked about this a few weeks ago when he said, you know, we we need football to go off and do its own thing and leave all the other sports alone when it comes to travel and how we organize conferences and things of that nature. I mean, there's some logic to that because obviously what works for football does not work for softball, does not work for baseball, does not work for wrestling or any other Olympic sport. But we also know that that's not... That's not part of the thought process. It's, it is a, we'll figure that part out. Yes, when we get that, to it. it's, it's always a, we'll figure that part out. That'll take, we'll figure that out. Yeah. Football is king. It's the alpha, it's the omega, it's everything. And this is yet another step in moving in this direction. Is these two leagues now coming together and saying, oh, we're going to do an advisory committee now. We're going to talk about these big picture issues and maybe find out And honestly, what this is to do is to find out where these two leagues have consensus and how these two leagues can move forward. They are going to negotiate stuff, right? Like, hey, here's what we want. Here's what you want. Well, it's not. I mean, the advisor committee is not going to decide anything. It's going to provide. It's going to provide ideas. Yeah. It's basically like a big think tank. It's an SEC Big Ten think tank. To find out, hey, who, where's some good ideas? What can we spitball here? And the first and number one priority will be what's best for us. And if it just so happens to work out for everybody else, then some of them may come along for the ride and others of them may fall further behind. Yeah, the uh, person I was referencing earlier texts in and says, football will happen first. The power two plus a few will break off. Then they'll grab March Madness. And do their own baseball tournament. And and with March Madness, March Madness would be the next priority because or basketball because that's the other sport that generally makes money. It's wild to think though, John, of that sport or that tournament rather changing to a degree where you lose out on the charm of the tournament. Because I think that that would be a true like. There's no going back moment for it. Like yeah. I know that it, like radical like whenever you and I talk so. I'll use the word flippantly, but I do think that we're correct in what's going to happen. We are very flippant about like, yes, these schools are going to break off, and yeah, 100 schools essentially won't be involved anymore. And I think a lot of people maybe roll their eyes. I know a lot of people agree with us. But I think for the most part, people are understanding in that football, again, there's so much money and that this is what these schools want. If March Madness changes to a large degree like this too, where it becomes this power invitational, that tournament loses Basically everything that makes it the tournament that it is. Oh, sure. And why we like it. 
because it's the one sport that is most followed that includes everybody from the big teams to the little teams. Mm -hmm. And it's the charm of that first weekend and seeing the little guy rise up and upset the big guy that now, sure, by the end, do we want our chalk to play out? Do we want our name brands? Of course. But it's those early rounds that have really made March Madness March Madness. And and I'm I'm not here to say that they would totally blow up the entire format and just make it a power conference invitational. But if they're making the rules, the rules are going to be more geared to getting more of their members in versus not. And certainly keeping more of the revenue for themselves. And keeping more of the revenue for themselves and basically telling all of the other leagues, hey, this is how we're going to do it. And if you want to be a part of it, great. But but this is what it's going to going to come out to be. Because if you think for one minute that the leaders in the Big Ten and the leaders in the SEC really give a damn about what happens outside of their league, you're crazy. You haven't been following the news the last umpteen years. These folks are looking out for number one. They're looking out for themselves. And secondly, they're looking out for their closest business partners who are the other members of their conference who help bring value to the total package. But that's pretty much where it ends. There aren't many major college leaders, sadly, in my opinion, that look out for the bigger picture saying, hey, you know what? This March Madness thing would be better if we had the Big East involved, if we had the AAC involved, if we had all these other teams, or the baseball tournament. I mean, I have I have heard anecdotally from folks in the baseball realm that there are people who wouldn't mind seeing the baseball tournament look just a little bit different than it does now. Because they happen to have a lot of teams that are really, really good, and why are we letting these riffraff in? Those conversations have been had. And if you don't think for a minute that these leagues aren't looking out for number one, you haven't been paying attention. And and if it so happens that others can get a little bit of the pie, well, in some ways it's almost a happy accident. There's a lot of freaking greed going on here. And now, is that any different than any other major sport? Of course, are NFL owners greedy? Yes. Are baseball owners That's greedy? It. Yes. Is it any different than any other way of life, really? But anyone who thinks that there is... That, the, one of the major problems with college athletics in general is that there's not a commissioner. There's not somebody like Pete Rozelle was back in the day. Pete Rozelle said, the thing that's going to make this sport sing is if we have parity. If everyone's got a chance. Still works to this day. And it still works to this day. The Detroit Lions just made the NFC Championship game, and the championship game viewership was like the highest it's ever been. Chiefs, I mean, it- Chiefs fans, while you're thanking Andy Reid and you're thanking the Hunt family and you're thanking everybody, and for, for thank, make sure you save a little thanks for Pete Rozelle. Because if the NFL wanted to, they could have easily geared this to the biggest market franchises and said, you little boys, yeah, you're just along for the ride. But P. Rozelle was all about, hey, if we're going to make this league good and really national, we got to make sure we've got some parity. One of the most popular franchises is in Green Bay, Wisconsin. 
Green And right now, the Bay. most popular, or at least the most talked about, is in Kansas City. Correct. They're certainly nowhere near the top. Jed tweets in, if the Big Ten and SEC are making the rules of the other sports as well, the CWS is gone from Omaha. I mean, you want to say never say never. You can't. Yeah. How can you? After watching what's happened, especially in the last five years, how can you say never and say never? It's happening. It's happening. So, no, is this is, is this like the breaking point step? No. But it's another step in the direction of these two conferences taking their ball and going wherever they want to go with it. And if there's other people along for the ride, so be it. Mm-hmm. But they'll be in the back of the train. Meantime, I said the heads of the five families are meeting. There is a, uh, in Orlando this week. Oh, the uh, Olympic trials for the marathon? No. Oh. No. There's about two dozen NIL collectives who are meeting this weekend. Oh, God. Oh, John. Well, that's what's going on. Now, you want to talk about, I mean, this is truly like the mob. Because these are the people that have always worked. These are the folks that have always worked under under the table and behind the scenes and pulling the strings. These are the boosters. Can we change the L and IL to be lame? Hmm. Name, image, lame. lame? Yeah. Um, mm, I don't uh, know if it rolls off the tongue as well. but It doesn't, but... Uh, lame, I-L. But yeah, they're, they're, they're also meeting this week. Uh, now, I was reading from a story today from Yahoo Sports, and one of, the, one of the CEOs of a company that helps manage some of these collectives was said... It was quoted as to have said, if you move the restrictions, there's no longer any reason for the schools to follow any rules. It's going to be really bad. We know the system needs reform, but there are a lot of student athletes that are going to be hurt by this. There are a lot of athletes who have poor representation, and now every kid is going to be an open market free agent. That is absolute chaos. That's a disaster. So there are people in that realm who even acknowledge, hey, this unlimited free agency thing is not going to be great. And he does have a good point because having good representation is going to be critical because you want to make sure you're getting the best deal for you. And one of the problems about unregulated NIL is what is it going, what's going to regulate, you know, I think about a, a, a Rashada, the, the kid from, who was supposed to go to Florida. Yeah. He signs a deal. He thinks he's got it. He thinks he's going to Florida. And then Florida says, ah, the Florida collective says, ah, it's not happening anymore. And all of a sudden this kid is like, uh, so I'm not getting anything. And he ends up having to, you know, get out of his NIL and go somewhere else and messes everything up. And that's, that's where the problem lies with this because you're signing contracts with people who technically don't represent the university. If you're signing with a collective that's not a contract with the university. That's a contract with the collective. And if the collective says, hey, oh, by the way, in order to collect this money, you got to go to this school, that's how it's locked in. And that's how it's, quote, unquote, tied to the school. But if there's no regulation of that, mm-hmm. then, then you do. You have chaos. You have a mess. I would be very curious to see 
what some of these folks have to say about what NIL reform should look like. Certainly, they're going to be on the side of, hey, these are inducements. We should be able to offer high school kids and transfers. But where does the where do the other regulations come from? Where do the other rules come from? That's my question. Yeah. And what ultimately do these, you know, folks want? Because it's funny, you, you read that these collectives are saying, like, we don't even like this, we don't even like this, and yet they're still going to do it, right? Oh, yeah. You know, they're still going after these exact same things. Just like the coaches who are like, we need to fix this and we need to fix that, and yet they are still breaking the rules as well. Who Do you know who the which, which schools it was that the collectives were meeting with? Or which um, collectives, rather, got together? And which do- schools they represented? It doesn't say. It just says about two dozen, more than two dozen NIL collectives. More than two dozen? It's called the Collective Association. Wow. I believe Nebraska's is a member of that. I didn't realize But essentially, it's, I mean, it's essentially a lobbying group or a... <laughs> it's just these groups binding together because they realize... I mean, we can't go totally un, unregulated. That, because they have interests as well. And if they're going to win arguments in court, or they're going to win their day, then they have to be in agreement on some of these issues. Mm -hmm. Because really, I mean, really what you're trying to do is it's like trying to organize the mob. You have all these different crime families out there and you're all trying, okay, this is our territory. This is your territory. And if we have a problem, we got to have a sit down. I mean, these are a lot of these collectives are made up of boosters who, if it's not them directly, it's their predecessors have all worked under the table. For Under years. the table. Yeah, and you wonder how the uh, decades. how is the Tennessee situation from this week maybe spooked them a little bit on. Oh, in terms well, I of mean, this, is, this was already scheduled. No, I but, know, but yeah. you know, you get that oh, sure. news and you're like, okay, so what do we got to do different here? And I would venture to guess that the first thing is like stop talking so much. You know, I think one of the things that probably got the Tennessee people in trouble was the amount of uh, speaking. Like, and you wonder, and I, you know, it's funny, John. I forgot to mention this on the show the other day when we were talking about it, but somebody reached out to me and said. You know, essentially about 1890, should they be pumping the brakes a little bit with all of their, they're doing advertising, they're mm. obviously very loud and outspoken about a lot of the things, and we now, know... Now, now, the advertising they're doing is about current correct. Nebraska athletes. But we know ultimately what that is in relation to, and so you just wonder if they're getting really close to this, you know, edge here, where it's like, you gotta be really careful with everything that you are doing. Really careful. Because you're right, it is about the current... Athletes. I mean, the thing that's got the NCAA's ire up right now is using NIL to entice recruits. Mm -hmm. But it's a different thing if you've got a billboard celebrating that Kese Tominaga is getting 1890 support. He's already there. He's already a student. He's already at Nebraska. It's a different thing if all of a sudden, you know, some prospective, you know, five-star offensive lineman, hey, you know, we just signed five-star offensive lineman who's not committed anywhere and is not even taking classes yet. Sure. And that's where the NCAA has really kind of focused its attack here, which is why Tennessee is being chased after. I mean, there's a logic to it saying, well, of course these things are inducements. How, I mean, it's no different than, you know, a scholarship than 
you know, the stuff that you get as a traditional college athlete. Well, I mean, throw on top of this. So one of the things a couple years ago Ryan Day said was, like, we need $13 million to retain our roster. And that made a lot of waves. He said that at a booster function, if I remember right. And, you know, it made some waves. And so you think about that. If you're a player and you're considering these various schools and you hear, whoa, it's a $13 million essential, essentially like a pool. If I go to Ohio State, like even that is an inducement if it wasn't meant to be one. It still is because if I'm a player and I hear, whoa, $13 million divided by 85, that's still a nice chunk of change if I go to Ohio State. So even the stuff that is not inducing can still be inducing sure, to an athlete. Well, again, this all goes back to the NCAA was never proactive. And then when they threw their hands up and said, we give up, it literally just opened the door to everything. And that's really what Tennessee is suing on is, hey, you guys threw the door open and all this stuff that we're accused of doing was before you came back and said, no, but don't use it to entice high school athletes. Yeah. I mean, I would say in that situation, like what, again, did you expect was going to happen? What did you you expect was going to happen when we spent years saying, man, Nebraska could really benefit from players being able to make money off of their fan base? Like, what did you think was going to happen? I I truly don't think the NCAA saw. I, I didn't. NCA didn't see collectives coming. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, in fairness, we didn't because we often talked about it as in the runs of the world. Yeah, who's going to how are these kids going to make the money? Car de- we always yeah. talked about car dealerships and runs. Yeah. No. No, then It's just getting the money. It's, it's it just is. getting the money. I mean, it is it is the most back-ass words pay for play ever, but it's so typically college sports. Yeah, certainly. It's so typically college sports. Well, coming up next, it's time for the second to last predictions of this round. A very important round because for the first Josh. time ever, for the first time ever, stakes are involved. Somebody is losing their facial hair. And right now, it's looking very likely it's going to be one of these two. Yeah, and I noticed that this week there were like five games in here. John has kept the pool of picks very limited this week. Mm. Very interesting. Normally it's like there's 20, no football. Normally it's like twenty games. This week it's like ten. There's hmm. only like a there's only like two Where's different. Where's the golf, John? Where's the golf, John? No, I don't want golf. No, I don't either. But still. <laughs> What difference does it make? I'm kicking your guys' ass anyway. John is dominating. We could put, we could put 80 in here. You know what? I'd be kicking your ass He might even be more. kicking our ass in this, but he's not kicking our ass in movies picked. Because ooh, if if we had negative points oh, based off wow. of our movies, John would be down like 100,000 after Once again, today. Josh, out on the Lord. No, I'm not out on the Lord. He's the son of a preacher, man. Thank you, Nick. And that's why he hated it. Oh, I hate that. He should have been a devil my, worshiper. I love Whoa. my dad. It's just the movie was bad. It's nothing about religion. It's the the badness of the movie. We didn't talk about the acting earlier. The acting. It was horrible. <laughs> Girls don't acting. know spit about baseball. Girls don't know spit about baseball. I'm from western Nebraska. <laughs> no, they were from west Texas. My bad. Predictions is next on 1620 The Zone.